It's time for All Hands on Tech. Climb on board as we explore all the amazing things happening in Nova Scotia's tech sector. Each episode, we'll chat with local experts to uncover the secrets of what makes Nova Scotia the best place for collaboration, innovation, and creativity. All Hands on Tech is proudly produced by Digital Nova Scotia, the industry association for Nova Scotia's growing tech sector. Welcome back to All Hands on Tech. I'm Ashley. And I'm Jenna. We're really excited for today's chat with Halifax-based Mars VR Lab. The business builds gamified VR experiences that allow children with disabilities to learn new skills in a safe environment. They believe in building skills by having fun, and today we're super excited to pick the brain of Mars VR Lab's co-founder and CEO, Danny Baldwin. Welcome to All Hands on Tech. Thanks, guys. All right, Danny. So we gave a brief overview there at the beginning, um, but for the folks listening, why don't you tell us a bit more about Mars VR Lab and how you got started here in Nova Scotia? Sure. Uh, it was kind of a fun story how it got started. Uh, clinicians at the IWK approached us. Uh, my co-founder, Sean Green, and I had started a business called Halifax VR, which was sort of a guided, chaperoned experience for anyone to come and try different virtual reality experiences. So if you want to come shoot zombies in the face cool. together, you could do that. <laughs> if you want to play music or create a band in there, you could do those type of things. So we had that business. Um, we got contacted by the IWK, and they were having problems uh, training pediatric patients to transition into power wheelchairs. And there was a laundry list of reasons why. I mean, if anyone's done rehab or any type of um, physio before, it's, it's very boring mm -hmm. and dry. Mm -hmm. um, plus it's intimidating. So as a child going into like a 30,000, basically yeah. essentially a car and learning to drive it, it was just pr uh, pr presenting them a lot of problems and they thought that virtual reality could, could be a good way to address those issues. So they reached out and uh, Sean and I sort so of had to think about it and ask them sort of why, why they thought it could be a solution. And then what it came down to was lack of engagement and it's impossible to keep the kids engaged and that just subsequently ripples and creates other like stresses for the clinicians, the patients uh, and their parents and, mm -hmm. and caregivers. So we put together a, a prototype to see if we could simulate the physics of a power wheelchair and the drive mechanics in virtual reality and presented it to the IWK. They were thrilled and we signed a research and collaboration agreement with them to build a product and take it to market. That's how it started. Wow, Very so they cool. just they just came up, they needed something and approached you and you were like, let's do it. Yeah, and I honestly, there's a lesson to be learned there that any healthcare product doesn't come out of a boardroom. Mm -hmm. Who am I to think I could invent something and then try to go tell it and sell it to doctors and clinicians? Doesn't make sense. It has to come out of the clinical spaces. Absolutely. That's where that's the people that are hands-on know the challenges they're facing and they're the ones that can think of mm -hmm. the, the tools they need to solve the problems. And they just need to be partnered with technologists or a business side that can help drive commercialization or you can't get anything done if there's not going to be a profit at the end. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's where we try to fill that gap for them. And on your end at that point, you had no, like there were no ties to the medical sphere, none of that? It no, I had previous experience from different jobs. I'm a mm -hmm. project manager by trade and that luckily introduced me into a ton of different industries. So I'd done some work for New York State Nurses Association, just e-learning and compliancy training. Uh, I'd worked in like the K-12, like schools, like mm -hmm. K-12 building technology for teachers. So, so everything I did sort of, sort of seemed to contribute to this. This could be a really good project for me. And Sean and I were at a point in our careers where we were gonna be picky on the project mm -hmm. we wanted to do. And the whole reason why we started Halifax VR is just to see if VR 
was cool to other people as we mm-hmm. thought it was. Right. And that was it. We just wanted to have people in and watch them play and see their reactions, what worked, what didn't work. And after you know two years of doing that, it put us in the position where we could talk with IWK mm-hmm. and come up with something. And just fortunate. Again, we say we we had a lot of branches on the luck tree on the on the way down but Sean's a a developer by trade so we had the the two skills we needed to get started a project manager and and a developer so the know-how was was there it was there yeah yeah and sometimes that's that's a good uh a good teachable moment to like sometimes just say yes you know when an opportunity comes your way don't be afraid to say yeah and we had lots of people approach us to work on things but we had decided that we wanted to do something meaningful that Mm -hmm. when you went home at night you felt good about it like we all are, are trying to take care of ourselves and earn a living and there are easier ways to do it and there are harder ways mm-hmm. to do it and not necessarily we're looking for a harder a harder way but you know a lot of people tell us oh healthcare space that that's tough that's hard it's slow it's hard to build a business out of there but it's like i think it's worth it if you look yeah. at who we're trying to help and the challenges we're trying to overcome it's like well that's okay we'll do it and we we had proposals from real estate companies to oil and gas companies to build cool VR stuff which has been really been neat to work on but at the end of the day am I going to feel great about that I don't know probably not so it was, it was kind of an easy choice yeah, and we, we knew we were going to do something more entrepreneurial together we just had to figure out and find the right project that meant something to both of us so. very okay. cool well we're excited to hear more about it but I guess first we want to get to some rapid fire questions sure let's do it <laughs> Okay, the first one, summer or winter? Winter. That was too easy for you. I know, it's too easy. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest, that's the exact opposite answer. I, I answered by default the one I hate. Oh. <laughs> if okay, my wife heard that, she'd be like, what? Why are you now? lying? You mean just now? Just now, yeah, yeah. I the do exact that too opposite. sometimes, and people I, are like, why did you lie? And I was like, my brain just did it. It just did, yeah. <laughs> okay, I, didn't, so. I didn't want you to know I didn't like winter for some reason. We can take but, that back then yeah, if you yeah, want. Yeah, we'll take Absolutely. that back. Okay. okay. Summer. Perfect. Hardcore. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. All <laughs> right. Um, go to karaoke song. <laughs> I don't do karaoke. I'm if I'm not in. Oh, okay. Uh, no, that's a, that is a hard question. I but is there a song a, that you're like, I'll I'm go with a, a Dolly Parton or Kenny Rogers, either okay. 9 to 5 or The Gambler. Yes. Cool. I was going to say a song that it comes on the radio, you're like, I have to sing. Yeah. You know? Very yeah. cool. Thumbian. Dolly Parton. Okay. That. We don't have that many rapid fire. Just one more. Okay. Um, what is your favorite thing about operating your business in Nova Scotia? <sighs> To s- so I have this chip on my shoulder uh, <laughs> with Nova Scotians in general is that there seems to be this cloud of we're not as good as anywhere else. It's like, well, if you want mm-hmm. this done, you have to go to Toronto. Well, if you want this done, you have to go to Mo- Montreal. If you want that, oh, you got to go to the States. And my favorite thing is proving we can do something special with homegrown talent. Mm-hmm. So everything we've done to date, and it will change as we expand and grow, has been done with Nova Scotians, with investments from Nova Scotians with a research partner that mm-hmm. is based out of Nova Scotia and that's what I'm proud of because mm-hmm. I, I'm not say I'm a patriot by by any means but I don't want to be grouped in with a bunch of people that think we're not as good as everyone else because I've traveled the world I've worked with with a hundred different companies and we're just as smart and capable as anyone else around the globe so that's that's Love what that. I like yeah are you from here I am I was born cool. in Halifax yeah Love that. Love that pride. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so true. Like there's so much exciting stuff happening in Nova Scotia. Um, And that's like this, this podcast is an example, you know, where we talk to lots of cool people all the time. So there's nothing we can't do here. Exactly. That that other people can somewhere else. It just just doesn't make sense. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You are right, though, about the whole a lot of people do tend to have that that rhetoric about the Maritimes in general and how like elsewhere is better. But absolutely not the case. No, not (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) 
All right, so let's dive in, dive back in to the big stuff. Sure. Um, so how prevalent is technology like virtual reality in the healthcare industry? And what is its potential? Where do you see its application in the future? My default answer to this is, like if you would ask somebody this when the internet was 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 first first emerging, mm -hmm. imagine the the variety of different answers that that you would get around it. When ultimately the answer is, it was impacted in every way, shape, mm -hmm. and form. I can't like hospital almost everything in hospital now runs digitally, right? Or it's been impacted by the internet, whether it's booking appointments, mm -hmm. data be moving amongst totally. patients, all that stuff. So people ask me how VR is going to change it. I think like virtual reality is is the next evolution of the internet. So I think it's going to impact it in every way possible. And I think what has enabled us as a group to accept it, I think the pandemic had a lot um, of influence on people's willingness to do things they wouldn't normally do remotely, mm -hmm. remotely. Mm -hmm. Like, so for example, in my life, I ordered groceries online for the first time. So I could, could never imagine uh, ordering bananas without holding it first, mm -hmm. right? right. Uh, I had my first doctor's appointment by, by phone, which was awesome. It was like, like, I knew I was just renewing a prescription. Well, I have to go there and wait 30 minutes yeah. and like, he can call me at 210 and I'm done by 215. This is perfect. But I think it's had a, a big a bigger like an impact on people willing to do things remotely and and trusting that and i think with virtual reality and specifically the the segment we're in which is rehabilitation um people want to do things at home like do you want to go to a clinic to, to do the same exercise over and over or would you rather have the option of doing it at home and think you're playing a game? Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes it's maybe right? not as beneficial for you to like get in a car and drive to the hospital. Or maybe you're not even right? capable of doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, those type of things. So I think uh, as far as like impact, like I think it's gonna impact tons of areas. It's already heavily impacting training. Like there's a, there are a lot of like simulations, whether it's for surgeons and other clinicians on how to learn to do their job or how to learn how to use other tools. So I think that's really uh, prevalent. Uh, I think it's gonna be a, a great education tool for people that want to be in medicine. So if, instead of reading a textbook you know, about mm -hmm. the body, if you could just jump inside of it and go, go explore in virtual reality, these mm -hmm. are the things that, that you can do. And if anyone that's listening has never tried VR, you're not gonna be able to grasp or understand any of this. You have to put a headset on for at least five seconds to appreciate how immersive it can be and how mm -hmm. it really can transport you to other other places and yeah. do things that just aren't possible in the real world so yeah. it's amazing it, how it really is a whole other world i have done it for all of five minutes a friend <laughs> of mine had like the the at home ones and literally yeah. in my living room and put it on and within seconds i did the like i think it came with like a basic thing where you were looking at a big dinosaur and I was sat in my living room and I just was looking around and every two seconds I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, so it's, cool. It's really neat. So I think it's gonna enable uh, accessibility. I think it's mm -hmm. gonna improve mm -hmm. accessibility and, and, and widen the, the amount of services that people can access uh, remotely. I think it will ultimately make things cheaper. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, that's part of being more, more accessible. Um, and like I said, I think it'll be a, a sort of, you know, everyday part of our lives, whether it's part of our personal healthcare regime or whatever else we're doing in life, mm -hmm. it's, VR is going to have that same sort of input that, or impact that, that the internet has. It's can't really define it all at this point, but there's so much potential. Yeah. yeah. Um, you kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but obviously the pandemic really kind of shone a light on the healthcare system and how it's 
often, you know, overworked, understaffed. I'm just wondering how um, technology like virtual reality can really step up and, um, you know, help fill in some of those gaps that exist. Sure. Uh, I'm going to put my, though I don't, I'm going to pretend I'm a clinician for a second. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I have no, no education or any formal training in, in working in a hospital in any capacity. But what I do have is lots of conversations mm -hmm. with with these people. And I think that's actually kind of a trick question because at first technology can't hurt them because they're busy and there's this, I think it's an accepted uh, truth, probably overworked um, and jammed, packed with clients, appointments, the, mm -hmm. these type of things. So when you introduce something new or a new technology or a new tool, you're asking people to abandon what works for them right now, right. S stop, fall farther behind than you are. Mm -hmm. Trust that the, the new thing's going to work. Trust that you're going to have the proper training and support for it. Um, so, but, like, when I say is a trick question, I think if it's not done properly, it, it can be a negative uh, to it. Uh, and companies that work on technology for healthcare have to be in tune uh, with usability and how intuitive this is to use and to be mindful that a clinician or a doctor is never going to, like, if we go to the extreme, they're never going to stop working on a, a patient that needs life-saving mm -hmm. care to stop and learn a new tool because that's going to help them six months, 12 months, 18 months. The immediate concern is going to be the right. next the next patient. Mm -hmm. So I just think as, it's, and that's something we try to embrace of, of you got you have to understand sort of what they do now how you're going to ask them to change? How do you explain why they have to change and, and get them to, to see how it's going to be easier, be in tune with, well, maybe we should make this more similar to this because this is how they're used to like those. You have to be hypersensitive to how they do it now so that you're not just turning everything upside down. It's just, you, it, it's, it's, I think that's just whether it was healthcare or, or any other type of business, mm -hmm. whether it's a, a processing plant or a manufacturing plant, like just wholesale stuff, mm -hmm. learn something new and then try to keep on the same pace with the same requirements or the same quotas you need to fulfill. It's just, it's not practical and people don't work that way. It's good that you're aware of that though, right? And I think it makes sense. Only because clinicians told us this. Right. Mm. Yeah. So Mars VR Lab focuses much of its work on children. And one really cool product of yours is your XPod, uh, which is a wheelchair simulation that takes a play-based approach to rehabilitation. Why is making it a game important for children who need to be using this technology? Sure. So when Dr. Shiriko approached Sean and I with the problem, um, you know, we 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 dove deep on what, like, why is this a problem? Like, because we didn't understand at first. Like, of, like mm -hmm. how could this be? How could how could this be hard? We have no 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 experience with it, no understanding. Um, and he put it how we put it to us that made it click was like you know, I said, did you ever go into physio before? It's like yeah. He's like, okay, well. You know, you'll do the exercise there, yeah. And then they give you the sheet to go home. And you know, have you ever done the? Have you ever done the exercises at home from the sheet? Be honest. Like, has anyone ever done them? For I the first know. five hey, days, right? And then. Maybe, <laughs> right? Because it gets boring. Yeah, it's dry. I'm not spending 20 minutes raising my right my leg like this in the By air. An inch. Right? Yeah. So he said it's it's boring. It's it's there's no engagement whatsoever. There's no treat at the end. So it, it seems kind of obvious to be like, oh, we got to make this a game. Maybe there was some other, some other avenue to go with it, but it was like, you no, know, let's make this a game. And Sean and I had just spent a hundred, a hundred thousand hours in VR with kids aged seven to mm -hmm. eighteen over the last three years. 
we saw the things they liked. We saw the things that entertained them in VR, and it just sort of clicked for us. It was like, okay, we can do this, and this is why we have to go the why we have to go the game route. Okay, and it's being used right now. So we are in what is called research trials okay. at the IWK. So uh, we have three phases. Because I mean, you create a product, but you also have to create a data set with it that mm -hmm. proves that it works. Right. Right? So we have this process we go through with IWK, we call it iterative software development, where they came with us with an idea, we need to do a power wheelchair simulator, it needs to be a game, here are some requirements. We can't take that and go turn it into a, a finished product. Yeah. Right? So we say, okay, what we'll do is, you gave us that, you gave us the list of skills that need to be taught, um, leave that with us, we'll go create a demo. Um, then we'll just bring some clinicians together and let's just get your feedback. And, and that's where the real requirements, mm -hmm. once they got to see it and, and, and how it worked and stuff. Um, so once we got to that point, we were like, okay, um, we, we know what kind of what the end product is, is gonna be. We don't have to know all the requirements right now. It's very similar to if you're from the software world, like doing agile software development, you're just trying to bang out three or four workable things every mm -hmm. couple weeks just something that works, something that works, something that works. And that's the kind of approach we took with them. But it was really cool. It was, it was our way of getting requirements from it, from different groups of people that we'd want input from to build this product. Because who are we to build the product? Mm -hmm. We're not doctors. We're not patients. We're not, we're not even involved with care of these people. Uh, like we have, like all we can do is be a technology partner for you. Right. Um, so then what happened is, so the IWK devised, uh, and this is common in whether you're, creating a new product or a drug or whatever it might be um, we're gonna create um, a study basically and see if see if this is gonna work or it's an effective tool so they came up with a three-phase study with phase one with clinicians that work with pediatric wheelchair patients so we released a version of the software to them that covered say 80% of the skills the kids need to learn but it had the interface the drive the, the characters and all that sort of stuff and we had 15 to 20 clinicians run through uh, and provide feedback. So the research coordinator consolidates that feedback and says, you know, here's the valuable feedback that's going to make this thing better. So mm -hmm. we take that, we incorporate all that into the program, and then we go move on to phase two, which is current pediatric power wheelchair users. So that's, those are kids that are currently using wheelchairs. And we say, here, try this, try this out. What do you think? So this is where we are right now. So we're okay. about 75% through this phase. And at the end of this phase, we'll have feedback from a group of current users that will say, this works, this doesn't work, this would have worked better this way, or I don't think this would have taught me this. And then we'll take that feedback, we'll incorporate it into the program. And then the third phase is to bring the clinicians back along with new pediatric power wheelchair users and start to see, uh, let, let's teach them the old way, let's teach them what this way, and let's see what the data says. Mm -hmm. what, is this any, any more effective? Like, mm -hmm. what was it? And you need to go through those things when you're creating a, a healthcare product because no hospital is ever going to buy from you yeah, uh, if you don't have the data to, to, to support right. uh, that it works. Mm -hmm. And why this, it's kind of cool that we have this partnership with IWK is, is it kind of use the phrase like it's got to be church and like the research has to be different. The business who's building the product to sell can't be doing the research. Right. Like, right. I think that, that doesn't yeah, even yeah. make right yeah. interest. <laughs> right. Uh, but what we're lucky is that we we're able to work out an agreement where we can separate the, the business side of things from the clinical side of things. They work independently of us, but they're just a source of now here's the feedback to fix that. We don't care what they come back with because even if it's if it's positive, great, we, we hit a bullseye. Right. But if it's negative, you're telling us what this needs to be like right. that's, and we better. need that to make the end product Absolutely. So. and then 
after these three phases, then we'll move to more. So there's research trials, and then you would have clinical trials. Mm -hmm. Clinical trials be more patient focused on the skills and measuring. You know, well, the old way took eight months. Da 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 da. Here was the assessment, mm -hmm. and we did it this way. This is what it took. You know, those type of things. So that the the protocol for those phases hasn't been defined yet. So I'm really talking out of thin air because I I'm not going to plan that. That'll be that'll be clinicians and and doctors that that plan that the next phases for us. Dude. But it's certainly a, an exciting time for you, I'm sure, seeing it kind of being used right now. Oh, well, it was, it was, it was very, it was very heartwarming and exciting when we moved into phase two and we got the first preliminary feedback from a current user that said, I wish I had this to learn on. Like That's that so was, great. that was meaningful. I was like, yeah. this is why, this is why we're doing this. Th this is why we're doing it. So that, that part was really, yeah. really cool. Super validating, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So this kind of plays off of the, the, that last question, but you know, you have no doubt touched a lot of lives through your company, this technology. So is there any like memory or interaction that really stands out for you over the years? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's, and, and this might've been one of the things that led Sean and I to, to when I was talking about we had lots of different opportunities in the VR space because we were early adopters and, mm -hmm. and promoters of it. And we did a lot of, I hate you saying the word research now because this is <laughs> <laughs> did some research. No, but literally, like hands on, yeah. put like hundred, hundred thousand hours of mm -hmm. people through VR uh, and observed them. And so this, this moment actually happened while, while, we, while we had Halifax VR. We had a, a lady contact us who had an ailing mother whose uh, wish was always go to Australia. And she's like, "Is there any way you can make that make that happen?" And so there's there's lots of there's lots of um, software for VR, like Google Maps, mm -hmm. like Google Earth, those kind mm -hmm. of things, right? And uh, we were like, "Absolutely, we can do that for you." So this uh, this woman came in, yep, not a gamer. Like all people think, oh, you have to be a gamer to join VR, but like if you like going to movies or being entertained, you could potentially like VR. It's not mm -hmm. exclusively a gaming experience. Like it's, it's, it's just an experience. It can mm -hmm. be just an experience like that type of thing. Um, so we brought her in and she didn't have the capability to, to use the controllers and that sort of stuff. So I, uh, I sat on this side of her, we had her in a chair and Sean sat on this side and he controlled this control. It was, it was just a, a game that, or an experience that used two, two input devices. So Sean controlled one, I controlled one and we took her on a tour of Australia. You had everything. Okay. I got, I, I'm going to start bawling now because yeah. there were so many tears shed yeah. that afternoon. I have no idea. We're, and like after she left, we we're just like, oh, wow, that, that was, that was, that was meaningful. You That's know what I mean? That, that like, I'll never forget them all. Like I just, every detail about her, what mm -hmm. she looked like, everything mm -hmm. she said, I remember it, everything about that right. afternoon. So that was there's good. not too many opportunities, like, especially in your day-to-day -day work life that you get to impact someone like that. Like that's, that stays with that you. That was awesome. And I was like, that was like, honestly, it felt like. It was no effort. We put a headset on her, and just the fact that I knew Google uh, Earth existed mm -hmm. could take her to Australia. Like I, I didn't invent it or write the code or do anything. Yeah, you know, that type yeah, of thing. But yeah. you still just, facilitated that moment. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we had a similar one. This one, this one is equally as as inspiring. There is a mother uh, who came whose daughter was a little person, um, and there's this game that was just super popular with kids that came into the shop. It was called Job Simulator, and it, it's exactly what it sounds like. So as any person that has ever had to work for money, you could never ever dream of wanting to play this game. Right. <laughs> it, you could, it starts up and you can pick to be like a corner store employee, a mechanic, a gourmet chef, or <laughs> office worker, right? And you're just like, just in VR, it's super, super silly. 
Um, so this woman came in. Uh, she had called first and said, oh, my daughter, is it appropriate? Da, 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 da. I can just explain that, that she was a little person and stuff. Yeah, that's no problem. We're in. So we put the headset on. And so she wanted to play job. Like she had watched probably 15 million hours of Job Simulator mm-hmm. online from some YouTuber, right? And uh, so we brought her in. It just so happens like in this game, it has just various settings. So you can adjust the environment based on who you are, mm-hmm. right? So changed to one of the modes that suited this person. Mm-hmm. And so she's there like hour and 15 minutes in, just hasn't said a word, right? Mm-hmm. And the way we were set up, we'd have like each room was kind of private. So, and then we'd have like a seating area. So when kids were with their parents, the parents could at least sit on the sofa and watch the TV through the child's eyes, what right. they were experiencing. Most of them just played on their phone and were happy that the kid yeah. was occupied <laughs> you know, for an hour. But anyway, just out of the blue. This little girl says, oh, my God, Mom, I'm normal for a change. Oh, oh. <laughs> it was brutal. Yep. It, oh, oh, I got barely saying it. But <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. Like, and again, we did absolutely nothing besides knowing that setting existed yep. on the game and we're willing yep. to be like, hey, yeah, yeah, come and do it. But again, it was just like, man, that's that's a uh, that's good. Uh, like in the mornings when you don't want to go to work, you think of those moments. It's pretty yep. easy to mm-hmm. jump in absolutely. the car and get there. Yeah, you yeah. never know how you're going to impact someone. Yeah. So and now we have the opportunity to potentially impact millions, millions of kids around the world. Like if we can get this product to market and get people to adopt it, and that's you know, crazy, it'd be, be pretty awesome. Like you said, that definitely keeps you rolling. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, exactly. It keeps the keeps the emotional well pretty full. Mm-hmm. And right. obviously, it it showed you like how this technology can be more than just a game like you know which you probably already knew but to see that real life experience um well just that meaningful yeah impact that i don't know how else that could have been achieved yeah honestly at this point who knows what technology is going to come out but at this point i'm just like wow that's amazing the potential Yeah. yeah it's amazing um okay we have one last question um and this is not really to do with virtual reality necessarily. Yeah. It could be, but um, what's one thing that you wish that you learned earlier in life? Fire fast and hire slow. That's a good one. I like that. I'm not in a That's, position I to fire, <laughs> hire or fire, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on to that for one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just cool. trust your hunches when you know it's not working out. It's best for both parties involved. Just wasting and, your time at that yeah. point. Yeah, exactly. And I, I didn't coin that phrase. I... I learned that lesson and that's how they put it to me mm-hmm. and it just because I just had gone through the lesson I'll probably don't forget the words yeah, because it's yeah. Like, that's a good point that's so. great advice from someone mm. with a lot of experience yes <laughs> so we're turning it on to you now you mentioned that you got a few exciting things along the way lots of exciting things so giving you your your soapbox what's up what's yeah new? sure what's coming? Uh, the, um, it's a bit of ways but we sponsor uh, this fundraiser or this camp it's called can triumph it's based out of PEI and it was founded by Dr. Shriko uh, it means a lot to him, and for it, it means a lot to us because uh, we, we work on some great things with him. And this camp is uh, for kids that live in families that have family members with significant uh, disabilities. Because a lot of people don't think about those kids and the impact that it has on them as, as well and how, that, how a family unit operates when you know, a family m- member needs a lot of help. Um, so this is a camp that's free, to char- free of charge. It lasts a week. Awesome. The kids go through amazing uh, programs, and they just get to be kids 
for that week with no other family responsibilities. So last year we did our first annual, we call it the big walk. So it's for Camp Triumph. We set a goal of $10,000 to raise and we amazingly somehow did it. (laughs) So that was really awesome. So this year we're going to be a little bit more aggressive and try to raise 15 to $20,000, but we're going to introduce sort of corporate sponsorship. Mm -hmm. So if any other business owners or anyone in a position where you're, you're looking for a a good cause to support, we're going to be coming out with sort of like a gold, you know, silver, bronze kind of thing, your logo, all that sort of stuff on it. Um, But it's never too early to reach out uh, to me if you want to get involved with that. Uh, But we'll also be looking for volunteers as well. So last year, our our staff um, did most of it. We did have some volunteers. that came out and helped, but we're hoping to you know double the size of the event, so therefore we're going to need to double the number of hands and fans that we need there to help out. Very cool. And if anyone does want to get involved or reach out to you, how do they find you? Where do they go for more information? Uh, just email general at marsvrlab.com and just to say I want to help out with the uh, with the fundraiser. Very cool. Well, we are so excited for you. I know there's lots on the go, so we really appreciate you chatting with us mm-hmm. for this podcast, and uh, we're going to keep an eye on what's going on at Mars VR Lab. We're excited to. <laughs> see what happens yeah thanks guys thank you thanks for tuning in to all hands on tech interested in learning more visit us on our website at www.digitalnovascotia.com we'll see you next time this has been a pod starter production. production